Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Sam's Report. It is Jan... Oh, God, it's January 13th, and post-CES, post-everything, moving on to a whole new world, a new 2017. Uh... Good stuff. I mean, this is actually a pretty big week. I mean, inside of Microsoft, outside of Microsoft, uh, console gaming, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on in the Blue Whale Web Media Group. That's the parent company of Throt.com and Petri.com. We legitimately have some big things on the horizons. We had a lot of planning meeting, meetings this week. Um, can't get in too much detail about that stuff. Uh, or this next thing, um, big travel is in my future. <laughs> and a, in a few weeks, months, I'll be able to share more, but some seriously big travel coming up uh, that will be a lot of fun and uh, will broaden some horizons, I think is probably the best way to describe describe what is going to happen to my life. Uh, anyways, so things that happened quite literally last night. Nintendo, if you're familiar with Nintendo, and you probably are, at least uh, very nostalgic for myself, uh, I played the hell out of that new Mario Run game. Although I'm kind of bored and sick of it all already. Um, anyways, uh, it is a good game if you need a little fun runner. Nintendo Switch, which is the company's upcoming console, will be coming this spring. I want to say it's March 3rd. Uh, and it's going to be have a starting price of 300 bucks. That's not too bad for a new console. Um, although, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really... I, I worry about Nintendo and the hardware segment. The Wii did... The Wii sold tons of hardware, not a lot of software. The Wii U... Uh, I think majority of people will, will say it was a flop. It didn't do very well. And the Switch, the Switch is interesting. I mean, obviously, you have like a tablet mode. You have a, a console type mode. And you can take it with you. And you can do all sorts of fun stuff. Um, it, it's interesting, but I, I, I don't know. I, I worry. I don't want Nintendo to go anywhere. They make some of the best software. I'd honestly love if they kind of followed the Sega route and just started making games like... Uh, Mario and uh, Zelda and all that stuff for like PlayStation and Xbox, they would make a ton of money doing that. But anyway, so they, they announced the Switch, 300 bucks. it's coming. Um, you're going to need to accessorize the hell out of it to get the full value. But I, I, I worry about Nintendo. Maybe I'm just getting old and it's going to target a younger demographic and it'll do exceptionally well. And I hope it does because I want them to keep making Mario and those games because they, they're a lot of fun. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to buy a Switch. I need to wait and see how this thing turns out to make sure it's not like the Wii where it's like, oh, this is great, and then it just kind of loses its appeal real quick. I don't know. Um, anyways, but that's coming out 300 bucks. The, the $300 price point is solid for a brand new console. That is a good price point. I think they did their research there, uh, although they're going to be competing with like the Xbox One S, which is going to go for the hard... You, you don't buy... I, I qualified this statement. You don't buy the, the Switch if you're a hardcore gamer unless you really are in love with Mario because that's really the only place you can get it on the console. But um, anyways, so that's coming out. And speaking of gamings and speaking of Xbox, Microsoft this week canceled, I believe it's Scalebound. And now there was some interesting discussion about this, that Microsoft is giving up on this. And they're saying, is Xbox doomed? Is Microsoft gaming doomed? Because there has been some other Microsoft console games that have been canceled. I think Fable was in that series that had uh, kind of a high-profile closure. And so the way I look at this is Scalebound, uh, from my understanding, the game was more targeted towards the Japanese uh, culture and that style of gaming. And Microsoft has had a horrendous time trying to do anything in Japan. They have never sold... Uh, Xbox has never sold well there. They have tried. They have thrown so much money at Japanese-style games to make 
the Xbox viable product in Japan, and it has just never worked. It, it It's a market that they cannot penetrate. Sony owns it, and Nintendo own it, and it's because those are homegrown companies. It's not a big surprise, and Microsoft just cannot penetrate that market, and I think they looked at that and said, hey, look, we're, we're spending all this money on this game, and it's, it's just not working out. Um, Xbox and Xbox does very well with first-person shooters in North America and in uh, Europe, but it has never done well in the Asian market, so that's not too surprising. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Microsoft in that in that demographic. But anyways, um, some Twitter drama or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> drama is probably a terrible word to use. So I, I had a conversation earlier this week with an uh, individual named Benedict Evans from. Uh, he works for Andreessen Horowitz, which is a very large and popular uh, venture capital firm out of uh, Silicon Valley. And I'll keep it short because you can, if you're really interested in reading the whole thing, you can dig through my Twitter feeds and, uh, and find it. But anyways, he was talking about AR and the next revolution, and he kept saying that he, he, he was looking at the AirPods and the Apple Watch as building blocks of Apple's AR vision. And he... he he went down the path of that no company is doing anything like that today where they blast light onto your retinas and do AR. And, and I commented that I don't follow him. Somebody retweeted it. And I was like, hey, what about the HoloLens? And he, he called me essentially a fanboy and said that's a prototype that Microsoft is just selling. Microsoft's selling a prototype. It's not a good device and nobody's using it. And as we all know, that that's not quite true. Elevator companies are buying this. Um, Volvo is involved with it. Some other design shops are using it. And I'd hardly call it a prototype. I mean, it is definitely a Gen 1 product. And it's just an interesting conversation about how some people, and I squarely put him in that, or in that Apple bubble that only Apple can do this stuff right and that no other company can p compete and that Microsoft is this old dinosaur and doesn't can't play with the the young the young kids if you want to call it that I, even though that's technically not correct i guess google would be a young kid uh, in that arena it was just really interesting to see how dense some people get that apple does no wrong and yet here we are with the macbook pro that hasn't resonated well it's still going to sell well uh, the apple watch which was supposed to be a huge success granted i like mine but it's not a, a necessity and it's not an iphone type device i don't know um, it's just, it, it's an interesting conversation if you like seeing people who are severely trapped inside the Apple, uh, ecosystem and can't envision a world where Apple isn't the best at everything or even the first or whatever. I don't know. Uh, anyway, speaking of HoloLens, uh, take a grain of salt, but I've heard that HoloLens V2 is entering into production in China. I don't have any specs or really anything else, but that's what I've heard. And we will see, um, we'll see what's coming up. We'll talk a little bit more about stuff that's happening. Uh, one thing, if you're a gamer, uh, jumping back to the gaming segment here real quick, uh, Microsoft's latest update, if Microsoft has a bad history with this stuff, uh, breaks multi-monitor gaming. Yeah. Uh, it says users may experience delayed or clipped screens while running 3D rendering apps, such as games, on systems with more than one monitor. Microsoft suggests uh, a workaround as to run your games in windowed mode or to start the game with just one monitor. Because we know that's what we do. We buy multi-monitor setups, which you can't see it. If I jump to the other view, uh, you can see I've got dual monitors here. I absolutely love dual monitors and highly recommend them if you're in a, I don't know, if if you if your work will pay for them. Um, great. I absolutely love dual monitors. And so for Microsoft to come out and say, hey, just run it in window mode on one monitor. Um, that's kind of a crap thing. This just goes back to that quality assurance that Microsoft has suffered with. 
And anyways, but any, if you're a gamer on a PC and you have a dual monitor setup and you're trying to blast out your SLI video cards and getting your 60 frames per second on dual monitors and you've done all that work to make everything right and Microsoft pushes out an update that breaks it, there you go. Uh, so there's that. Uh, other things Microsoft is working on, Microsoft pushed out a bunch of new builds, 15,007 and 15,002, and they quite literally are feature packed. They have so many features that I... Just go, you need to go read up on it if that's your cup of tea. I suspect that if you're already abreast of this stuff, you already know all the features. Uh, this is probably the most feature-packed releases we will see until after Creators Update ships. That's kind of my hunch right now because I know that they're supposed to be wrapping up uh, code production and then switching to bug smashing. So everybody's trying to get all those last features in. And what typically happens, and this happened the last time, is you know they draw that line in the sand and say, okay, we're going to move into bug fixes. Uh, after the creator's update ship, those next couple updates will generally have uh, the features that just didn't quite make it. They're usually smaller, but you know. Anyways, uh, 15,002, it's out. Um, actually, 15,007 is out, although people are having trouble downloading it. So if you're getting it, uh, consider yourself lucky. 15,002 is very rough around the edges. I do not recommend putting it on a daily driver. Um, but 15,007 is out. Uh, they pushed it late yesterday. You can go try to grab it. Good luck. I haven't been able to get it. Um, although I only tried on one machine because I, I just honestly didn't have time to keep screwing around with all the other machines. But one of the features that is coming, and if I, again, there's so many, but I, I don't know. For some reason, I just really like this one, mostly because it was originally, I think, something that was going to work with the band, uh, is that Microsoft is going to use Bluetooth for what they call proximity lock or dynamic lock. And what it is, is if you have Bluetooth on your phone, or, well, I guess the band is out, um, if you have Bluetooth turned on and you're close to your PC, uh, it, it's fine. But what happens is when you leave, the Bluetooth disconnects and then it locks your machine. It's actually kind of nice. So it, it's, it's a small and simple security feature. Um, you just kind of get up, walk away and it's like, Hey, there you go. Things are locked. And so there's a couple issues with this. It can only really be used. Uh, somebody initially asked, they said, Hey, can we use this to unlock stuff? Well, here's the problem. And again, I'll, I'll switch the cameras here. So if you're like me and you charge your phone at your desk. Like this is my daily driver. This is a, a Lumia that I'm trying to whatever rehabilitate. Uh, if you charge your phone at your desk and you walk away, well, then it's not going to auto lock. Or if it unlocked your machine as you're walking back towards it, that would be a bad thing too because it's already there. So it's a good second factor potentially to log in. If it says, hey, your Bluetooth is here, um, just punch in your four-digit PIN. Or if there's no Bluetooth, then it goes to Windows Hello and a PIN or something like that. It would be a good two-factor, but it's you can't use it to unlock. So it's only for when you're walking away. But it would be nice though, and I know this scenario sounds crazy, but it does happen that let's say you're using your laptop at like at a coffee shop. Somebody rides by and quite literally steals it. As they're riding away, if you have the feature enabled, it will lock. Um, so there you go. Uh, that That is coming. Uh, you can already see a little bit of it in the settings panel. And there you go. Other things Microsoft announced this week. Uh, Microsoft is increasing the transparency. And, and I say increasing as somebody like started lambasting me uh, or about like that this was the end solution for... Um, and this was the end solution <laughs> for transparency of Windows 10. So they're increasing transparency. They're not dramatically improving. They're just increasing the transparency. And what they're doing is so Microsoft has two things. One, they now have an online portal. So if you have a Microsoft account, 
you can actually go into this online privacy dashboard and clear out all the data Microsoft knows about you from search, by your MSA, email, and all that stuff. You can just kind of delete the cache if you, if you want to call it that or whatever. But you can now, or at least are in control of that information, uh, which is a good thing. At least it looks good. We can't really verify on the back end what's happening, but it's good security theater or privacy theater. Uh, so you've got that going on. Also, with the setup of Windows 10, they are now increasing the transparency of the data that is collected. So the default used to be you use Express settings. Now you actually have to go through and let Microsoft, you tell explicitly tell Microsoft what data it can and can't collect. Uh, and if you turn it off, it tells you what features that disables. So again, not the holy grail for privacy solutions, but it's a step in the right direction that Microsoft is not obtuse. They are acutely aware that people are concerned about their privacy with Windows 10 and how much information is being collected. So they're, they're allowing that. And now I get to the point where somebody was asking about Microsoft drinking its own Kool-Aid in the title of this thing. So this is a very reoccurring theme in the world of Microsoft, and it's, it's going to bite them in the butt again uh, as I'm slowly learning more about what their 2017 plans are going to be. So Microsoft either needs to commit to UWP apps or just give up. And I... I say that because, again, Microsoft released an app this week, or a service, called Staff, uh, what is it, Staff Hub? Now I can't even remember what it is. I think it's Staff Hub. Anyways, it's a schedule ma scheduling manager. It's part of Office 365, and they released a iOS app, and they released an Android app. To be expected, not a big deal. But they didn't release a Windows 10 desktop app. They didn't release a UWP app. They just said, ah, you know what, you can just log into the web and do it that way, which is fine. Logging into the web is a good component of it. But they're not, Microsoft isn't supporting UWP internally as best as it could. For example, Office 365, your Microsoft Word, they have Microsoft Word Mobile as a UWP app, but when I open up Word from Office 2016, it's still a desktop app, and they ha there's no indication yet that it's going to transition into a UWP. Maybe that's Office like 2018, but why is it taking so long for them to get their most critical apps, their showcase features, into the Windows Store. Even Edge is a, a bastardized version of a UWP app that isn't properly supported through the store yet. They keep saying it's coming, but it is yet to materialize. Like, come on, Microsoft. If you want developers to really buy any UWP, Windows 10 has been out for 18 months now. What is it? A little bit over. And you're still not you're still not going all in on it. Like you're saying, hey, use these bridges. This is great stuff. We have Office. Oh, but Office isn't really a UWP app because we're not like... It, it, it's like, I don't understand that... For Microsoft to have a successful store, they have to be either all in or just abandoned. And I I can't I can't fathom why they're screwing around with this so much or not being transparent about it or not moving fast enough. Uh, UWP has a lot of advantages. Um, coming upcoming uh, Windows on ARM, you know, those new devices, they'll take advantage of that. It's like so maybe that's their timeline to get this stuff figured out. But this all started back with Surface RT. They're, I don't know. I, 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 this is what frustrates me about Microsoft is on one hand, they're like, everybody go to the store. This is the greatest place in Windows. And on the other hand, they have their premier apps and they're not using their own store. Like there should be a file explorer. Everything, they finally got paint in there. Uh, they should have a file explorer. Edge should be in there. All the office apps should be in there, but they're not. And it, it really throws mixed messages about how committed Microsoft is to this stuff. So, yeah, we will see. 
we will see what happens with Microsoft, but they really need to drink their own Kool-Aid or not drink it. Um, and, and I mean Kool-Aid from the aspect of don't drink it to kill yourself because that's kind of where the analogy comes. It says don't drink the Kool-Aid. But in this case, Microsoft needs to consume what it is selling, uh, often sometimes internally referred to as dog fooding. But it's getting really frustrating, and they're not very uh, transparent about how they're going about this stuff. And this, you'll want, I don't want to give away too much. Uh, as things materialize over the next six to eight months or so, I, I think I think they're going to have to either come full force with this. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's lots of rumors, lots of stuff floating around. Uh, but anyways, speaking of the spring, uh, the creator's update is going to ship in April. I know this has been floating around for a while. Uh, Dell explicitly told me it's coming in April. Uh, I, I wasn't even probing, but we were in their booth and it was talking about some stuff. And they said, yeah, when the creator's update lands in April, uh, it'll enable new functionality for our machines. I was like, okay, great. Thank you for, for telling me about that. Um, but the other things that I'm kind of starting to hear is, so the Surface Book, uh, which mine's plugged in, but I'll unplug it. Surface Book, this guy runs Skylake. Last week, every vendor under the sun that sells a laptop or a desktop, you got to plug this thing back in, otherwise the battery will be flat when I need it later today. Uh, every vendor under the sun announced uh, KB Lake. I, I can never remember if it's KB Lake or Cabby Lake. I've heard both, but whatever. All these vendors announced the latest Intel Silicon, and Microsoft pitches the Surface Book and Surface Pro 4 as a high-end machine, and now it's running old-gen Silicon. So you'd have to think that everything is going to get refreshed in the near future. We had heard previously back in the fall that, hey, springtime is when Surface Book 2 and Pro 5 are coming. DigiTimes has come out and said, hey, they heard Q1. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they do... What would honestly make the most sense is do like what they did with the Surface Studio. They host an event where they talk about Windows, the creator's update. So let's say there's an event in April. And then they use that to launch refreshed hardware. I think I think that's their, their strategy. I can't imagine that they're going to hold a separate event for hardware and then a separate event, if they have one or whatever, for the creator's update. I don't think they'd hold an event for the creator's update. I take that back. But it seems like a natural point in their evolution of software release is creator's update comes out. Let's launch new hardware with it. Makes it real nice and easy. That new hardware launches with the creator's stuff and whatever new features are coming in those devices. And so that is honestly what I'm... Those are some of the, the things I'm hearing. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of expecting that we're going to see new hardware in the month of April. At least that's what I really, really hope. And then we have Build Cup for the following month. I, they, I can't imagine they're going to announce new hardware at Build. And if it goes beyond Build, if I can't imagine we would get all the way into June before they'd relaunch new hardware. Uh, but this stuff is selling well. Uh, it's actually Surface Book and Surface Pro 4 are selling well for the company and they're not going to give up and it, it, their hardware bets are starting to pay serious dividends right now. So, uh, speaking of that stuff. I don't know what you mean by I started a serious dividends right now. How about a web search for it? So, did... I'm... What? <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that came through across on the microphone. But Siri just kicked on, and wh why? I never said that, and Siri definitely, definitely started um, chatting. That was interesting. Totally derailed my train of thought here. But anyways, uh, thank you, Apple stuff. And <laughs> anyways, so speaking of the service book and all that stuff selling well, uh, the PC market has now declined for five years. I, I've talked about this many, many times. I'm not going to rail into it too much. But 
PC hardware has a much longer life cycle than it did. The, the generational gaps of performance improvement is much smaller than it was 10 years ago. So if you have a laptop that's two years old that still has a solid state drive and you're running, what, Broadwell, it's still going to feel nice and quick. You're not going to feel tempted to go buy a new one. Uh, and so people aren't buying as many PCs, not to mention there are lots of phones and things these days that are taking the place of laptops. And you do a lot more laptop you know, email and web browsing activity on the phones. So it's, laptops and stuff are not going away, but they have a longer life cycle these days, and that's why it continues to decline. The question is, when will it level off? And I do firmly believe that it'll level off. I don't think we'll ever fully get rid of laptops in the near future. I could maybe potentially one day we will. But, you know, in the next five years or so, the laptops and desktops are not going to go away. The question is just when does it level off? So uh, that is what's going on in that world. And so I, I posted up a review of this yesterday. I'll talk about it here briefly. Uh, the DJI Osmo Mobile. I use this thing. Ah, I use this thing uh, all at CES to record all the videos. If you watch the behind the scenes video of Paul and I, uh, this is what was used. And so this thing is neat. If you turn it on here. And I have an iPhone hooked in here now. You can use a Nexus, Android, or whatever. Uh, it really, it's, it's a, a gimbal. And what it allows you to do so if you un, it's unlocked right now. If you lock it, you can see it keeps the camera nice and steady. It's just an easier way to shoot uh, stable footage. And I love this thing. It's $299. Uh, battery life, four hours. It, it works with any phone, any Android or Windows phone. Uh, actually, it probably doesn't work with a Windows well, So this is, here's the thing. There's no app for a Windows phone, but it would work with a Windows phone because you can use the built-in camera apps because, it's again, it's just stabilizing like the phone, there's no really anything else. And the buttons down here, they just turn the device uh, and all that stuff. So the super quick review, you can go watch. I posted up a video on therot.com is that the biggest downside to this thing is in the phone. So if your phone has optical image stabilization, the problem is, so you have a gimbal here that's balancing the phone. That's keeping it nice and level. If your phone all has optical image stabilization, it will try to keep the lens level too, obviously to a much smaller scale. But the problem is then you have the gimbal fighting the optical image stabilization and you get a slight wobble. And so that's the big downside. That's why this is an iPhone 6 in here and I also took a Nexus 5X to CES. I did not use my iPhone 7 because of that wobble. But, um, you know, it's a neat little thing. It's $299, battery life, four hours. I got some extra batteries. Um, I also bought this little stand thing, it's 10 bucks. Although, if you have a 3D printer, I bet you could make one of these. And I actually even think there are plans out there. And so, it's nice. And I'll turn it off here and it makes you a little sad. Makes you a little sad. It's just like, womp, womp, womp. But um, I plan on taking that thing with me to every event now to record video because it's nice. It's nice to have it on an extra phone like that. You connect it to Wi-Fi, upload all the stuff to OneDrive, and then I can grab it on my PC. And bada-bing, bada-boom. So, if you need a gimbal or you're just looking to shoot better video... It's, it's not a bad pickup. That's the DJI Osmo Mobile. And so I'm going to jump into the questions of the week here. Got uh, quite a few of them that came in. <laughs> uh, the first one comes from Kadupa. And I, I kind of just hit on this a couple minutes ago. He asks, why is Edge development seem so slow? And why is it still connected to the OS? They should decouple it to update it frequently or alternative or alternatively, bury Edge and buy Opera. Well, they can't buy Opera because I think the Chinese company just bought them. So there's a couple things uh, I hinted at, or I talked about this a little bit here. Uh, so there are there's two components to Edge. There's the aspect that you see, which is the actual application itself, and then there's the rendering engine. So the rendering engine is actually updated 
fairly frequently. Um, it, it's not coupled to the OS, I believe. I believe that's correct. What is more coupled to the OS is actually the application itself. It's not true WUP, UWP. It's not serviced, at least, uh, at least not to my full knowledge, through the Windows Store uh, at this time. Now, they are moving to that platform to where they will eventually be able to service Edge through the Windows Store and be able to update, update it much faster. But I completely agree. Edge has been on a very slow cadence. I think Chrome is updated every six weeks or so. And so that, that's multifaceted good things for Chrome. One, they're updating on roughly a six-week cadence. Every six weeks, they get a new headline that says, hey, Chrome has been updated. Edge is not really getting that. Uh, they get this insider stuff where it's like, hey, here's all these new features, but we know the ma maximum roughly insiders are 7 million. I guarantee all 7 million of those people are not running fast ring or daily or might have even just ignored the thing, whatever. But when there's 400 million people, that's the vast majority are not getting these updates, and they shouldn't because some of them are crazy unstable. But you're right. Edge has been way too slow in the development on the public side. Uh, of things. I know they're obviously building out Edge, but we're getting it in this large chunk. It comes with the creator's update, anniversary update, and that's not a good way to modernize your browser when all your competitors are updating faster. So, yep. Uh, Canoe, I think it's Canoe, C-A-N-O-E, asks, he says, what is the, what's, what, uh, what's the situation with the diff delta sync for all files, not just Office in the OneDrive consumer? Second most requested feature, uh, no, rep no response for over two years, and he links to the thing. He says, uh, why both consumer and companies are stinking with this? Uh, he says, no response for over two years. As you'll see in the link, it's why both consumer and companies are, oh, are sticking with Dropbox. Ch yeah, so this is a very near and dear thing because we know that placeholders are coming. Again, Microsoft has, this is what Paul and I always refer to as the 90%. Microsoft gets 90% of the way there, and then they never make that last 10% jump, or they don't make it fast enough. And so OneDrive is great. I use it every day. But you're right. The, the syncing is larger than necessary. There needs to be better control. Dropbox has a very good product. Uh, and, and I don't have a good answer for you. Actually, I know some people on that team. I should maybe ask them, poke them, and see if we're going to see anything about that. But Dropbox... Like, does do syncing better. I, there's no real other way to describe it. OneDrive is good, and OneDrive has good market share, and it's a good value, but it's not a best-in-class product. And I wish that I could just say, hey, you know what, they're going to update it in three weeks or whatever. But unfortunately, that kind of stuff has been super close to the chest. Uh, my clever username, which is a very clever username, uh, says, if you had to choose between the Dell XPS 15 9560 and, oh, this is tough, and the updated Spectre X360 convertible laptop, 15, the 15 inch, which would you choose and why? Mm. So here's the good thing. Both of these laptops appear to be very good machines. Uh, it, it, this is a very tough call. So the only thing, the only reason I kind of lean more towards the Dell in this one, and granted you would be extremely happy with either HP makes fantastic laptops these days. So does Dell. I tend to like, so this is this isn't going to help your your salute your question. So I like the keyboard on the Dell better. I do like that keyboard. I like the way it feels and like everything else. The, I don't necessarily like the materials where the palm rest is that carbon fibery stuff, and so it 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 smudges or kind of leaves like the the oils of your hands are very noticeable. So on that aspect, the the HP uh, Spectre does a better job with kind of hiding dirt and grime, but I I like the keyboard better on the Dell. 
And to be honest, I'd probably go with the Dell for that reason because typing is more important than, I don't want to say cleanliness because you can take a microfiber cloth and clean it. But if you're looking for a longer term laptop, like if you don't turn your laptops over every year, I would, I would actually probably go with the HP then because it's going to stay cleaner, it's going to look newer, and it's, gonna, it's just going to look better. But I tend to turn laptops over every year. And so for that instance, I'd probably actually go with the Dell, knowing that in a year I'm going to refresh this thing and uh, the oil residue and all that stuff isn't going to be an issue for the long term. So there you go. Uh, Tourniquet asks, and this is a good question as well. He says, any inside info if the blue light feature is going to come to mobile too? It seems not all phone displays would support it, but it would still be nice to have. So I, I bet more phone displays support this than you think. Um, it's whether or not that Microsoft has the APIs built in to allow it on a phone. I bet it does come to the phone, but it's probably just not a priority is the issue. And, and so that's um, that's that's the issue. I, I guarantee, I mean, it's just a, a setting. It's just turning down the blue light. I bet most displays actually really honestly do support it. It's just that again, desktop is the priority. Things slowly move, are slowly moving to mobile. And I bet we eventually honestly do see it. It would be very surprising to me if we don't, just because the desktop and the mobile are now so aligned because it makes more sense because Microsoft's mobile ambitions are much less than they used to be. And kumbaya. So uh, that wraps it up for questions this week. I'm going to throw out the insider tip of the week here. Uh, resist the urge to put the latest insider builds on your daily driver. I know, and I am fighting this temptation every day because there's now a whole bunch of cool features. There's a lot of cool features on this stuff. And... But it's not stable. Uh, there was an issue with the Surface Book with blue screens. There were people talking about when they would rip out a tab from Edge and uh, it was causing blue screens. It is, we are, lots of new features, lots of cool stuff. Don't, do not disagree with that, but it's also very unstable. So that is the insider tip of the week. I think uh, next couple weeks are going to be very interesting, at least from a personal aspect. And I'll be able to share more about the adventures that are coming and things that are going to help expand what we do uh, on both uh, the enterprise side, which is Petri.com, and the consumer side, which is Throughout.com. Uh, we had a really good 2016. We, we've got an ambitious 2017, and I'm really honestly excited about uh, all the push and changes that are coming. And so I'll end it here because somebody just asked again about the new mouse pad, and I, I talked about this pre-show. Here, I'll switch camera views here. So I bought this mouse pad. And this is the Razer, I, I don't even know the name of it. Um, honest truth, the reason I bought it, and you can't really see it, unless maybe if I turn this, maybe that will show it off. There you go. You can see here on all sides of this mouse, it's called the Firefly, I believe, actually, it just came to me. You can see here on all sides of the, the thing, uh, the mouse pad, it has this nice little LED. And that is the only reason I bought it. Well, I shouldn't say the only reason. And I have it to set up. It's slowly changing. It's kind of a purple now. It was blue when I first started, and it looks like it's going to red. And so it's it's just a mouse pad. It's not a USB hub. It's not anything else. It is just a mouse pad with LEDs, which I'm convinced make a computer go faster. Um, but I got it because the bottom of my mouse kept getting dirty on this desk, and it was actually kind of making a shiny spot on the desk. And for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? And I had an Amazon gift card from the holidays. I was like, you know what? Here we go. Let's just buy a mouse pad and see. Plus, it matches. That's that's another thing. My keyboard has nice lights. Uh, this has nice lights. My computer case, which I can't rip out and show you, has nice lights. And so now everything just matches. So, oh, gosh. You know, I've determined why I like this podcast so much. And it's honestly therapy at this point, I think, is, is what it is. Uh, even though I'm 
not physically talking to people. It feels good just to get SHIT out, if that makes it. And, you know, with that being said, I think we're going to end it here this week. I genuinely appreciate everybody watching and tuning in. And hopefully you get something out of it. I know there's a couple things that I said. The, just a quick recap. We got big month of April for Microsoft. I, I'm, I'm thinking April is going to be, I think it's going to be Christmas and spring for Microsoft. So, uh, and for those keeping track, this phone, last item of the agenda here. I've been trying to rehabilitate this phone uh, to give to a friend who's a developer that needs uh, the browser so he can check websites that he's building. And it is still kind of in a boot loop here trying to recover. I don't really know if I'm going to be able to salvage this phone without uh, doing some serious work. This is a Lumia icon. And so there we go. So I'm going to end it here, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Appreciate it as always. Have a good weekend.